Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Changing minds on climate change. Is there anything left to say to someone who doesn't believe the climate is changing? It's too darn hot. It's too darn hot. Just the facts, ma'am. When have facts ever changed anybody's mind? Uh Uh-oh. Now, what appears to be happening is that the water is rising. Why? One theory is, I don't know, I'm not a scientist. The three stages of climate denial. One, it's not happening. Two, it's happening, but not here. Three, it's happening, it's here, but it's not so bad. Are climate deniers impervious to scientific evidence, or have they just not been exposed to the right kind of information? Our guest is UC Berkeley psychologist Michael Ranney. Changing minds on climate change. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Can we ever change the minds of climate deniers? Could the mere facts of global warming be enough to persuade them? Or are some humans just too irrational to be convinced by evidence? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Ken Taylor. And I'm Josh Landy. We're here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where I teach philosophy and Josh directs the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today we're thinking about changing minds on climate change. You know, Josh, the ice caps are melting, forests are burning, temperatures are rising all around the globe. Something like 98% of all climate scientists agree. But, surprisingly, there are still people, I mean, some of them with a lot of power who ought to know better, who deny climate change. Yeah, tell me about it. It's infuriating. I mean, how are we going to avert a climate crisis if people are just too irrational? to respond the way they should. You know, I'm not sure it's all about irrationality. I mean, think of the fossil fuel industry and the politicians they've bought off. They spread what they've got to know is false information. Why? Well, so they can sow doubt because they profit from the doubt. I mean, I'll grant you they might be among the lowest of the lows. I mean, maybe I can go a little lower than them. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I don't think I'd call them, like, irrational. Well, what would you call them? Well, I'd call them despicable. I'd call them immoral. I'd call them greedy, but I, I'm not, not, not necessarily irrational. Uh, look, I, I'm prepared to accept that the fossil fuel industry is, you know, diabolically rational. Yeah, that's a good word for it. <laughs> but the people who listen to them, those folks, surely they are irrational. I mean, all the fossil fuel guys have is a handful of paid-off pseudoscientists. Why would anyone with half a brain choose to listen to them? Uh, I don't know, Josh. I'm not, I'm not even convinced that those people are being totally irrational. I, I, mean, I mean, look, think about We've got the internet. We've got hundreds of TV channels. We've got social media all over the place. We're inundated with information, yeah, but also a lot of misinformation. And I think it can be really hard for an ordinary people to figure out what's true and, and what's false. And look, if add to boot that if you your trusted news source is telling you that climate change is not real or that it's not caused by human activity, well, it's not like irrational to, to believe your trusted source. Trusted news source, Ken. You're talking about what? Fox News? Breitbart? I mean, who on earth would trust sources like that? Josh, come on. Where have you been? Millions of people? Uh, And you kind of seem to be implying 
you know, they're all stupid and ignorant. That's that's hardly a way to change their minds, Josh. Well, what do you suggest, Mr. Kill Them With Kindness? Uh, I suggest you give them the facts. You give them scientific evidence. You trust them to be rational, and you don't treat them like, you know, idiots. I love it that you're such a Pollyanna, Ken. Girl. I mean, you really think facts and evidence change people's minds. Yeah, I do. Well, if that's the case, how do you explain that in the 21st century, people are still taking up smoking. Oh, come on, Josh. That's not fair. Smoking is different. Smoking is addictive. I mean, people started, uh, often start smoking, you know, in their teens when their executive functions, you know, are a little questionable and not fully developed. You can't compare that with climate denial. Actually, you know, I think we can. I, I, we're, we're addicted to fossil fuels. You know, we, we need our big cars. We need our long-haul flights, our, you know, air con in the summer, our heat in the winter. We know full well there's an impending crisis, but but guess what? We can't bring ourselves to give up a single one of our toys. Uh, yeah, that's too that's too pessimistic because habits are changing slowly, but they're changing. I mean, people are buying solar panels, electric vehicles, reusable batteries. We're voting for laws that protect the environment. San Francisco, for example, just banned the sale of single-use plastic bottles. Right, San Francisco. Oh, you uh-huh. got something against San Francisco? <laughs> no, but I'm, you know, you're talking about the true believers. You're talking about people who already accept the reality of climate change. What about the millions of folks who are still in denial? Well, I I think I think those people they'll come around too. They'll come around eventually. You know, I, I think maybe you're the one who's in denial. You, <laughs> you deny the possibility of hope. <laughs> Touche. Okay. Look, I, look. All I'm saying is, San Francisco is not the world, and and. Until we get money out of politics in this country, I just don't think we're going to get the wide-scale change we need. Well, uh, now there, I'm going to completely agree with you. Totally. 100%. But, Josh, that does still leave the question, how to convince the skeptics to join the fight to save the planet? Well, to help us think about that question, Ken, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, to talk to some former skeptics who are doing just that. She files this report. Ten years ago, Richard A. Moeller was skeptical about climate change. Or, as he says, he was agnostic about the whole issue. If you had asked me back then, what is your feeling about global warming, my answer would have been, well, I don't know. Moeller is a retired UC Berkeley physics professor. He remembers having lunch with the department when a Nobel laureate walked in. And as he walked in, he said, so, I've just been reading about global warming. Certainly everybody here believes in global warming, right? And everybody nodded their head except me, and I shook my head. Mueller says he was suspicious the research at the time might be biased. So, at his daughter's suggestion, he put together a group of scientists to study the data. After intensive research, the team found the average temperature of the Earth had risen by two and a half degrees over the past 250 years. And our conclusion was global warming was real and it's caused by carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases. That's a very strong, definite conclusion that I can defend in front of anybody, in front of any scientist, in front of the general public, because we did the work ourselves. Now Mueller says he's in a unique position to convince others. He knows how to listen to skeptics and emphasize. But not everyone can put together a team of researchers at an elite institution to address their own lingering doubts. If you want to call me a denialist at the time, that was exactly it. Reverend Richard Sizek, president of the New Evangelical Partnership for the Common Good, just needed to hear the science. He says back in 2002, he thought climate change was a myth. I was a victim of what was 
uh, the emissions of human greed, ignorance, and hatred. In other words, I would confess that even I had a degree of greed, a degree of ignorance, and yes, anger in part toward environmentalists and others who said my lifestyle was wrong. Then, Sizek says, he experienced a conversion to science. A friend invited him to a climate conference. For four days, he learned about rising sea levels, deforestation, and pollution. Climate change was presented as a spiritual issue, and he felt a deep sense of repentance. We don't have an option here. God says, I will destroy those who destroy the earth. And then the question is, who is that that's doing this? And we have to say, all of us. He says it really was that easy. After that, he changed his lifestyle and began educating other evangelicals about climate change. But he was ostracized and ultimately lost his job. It wasn't until 2015 that the National Association of Evangelicals adopted a statement that recognized climate change as a threat. Those of us that are advocates for creation care, we see people changing their minds, especially among the younger evangelicals, the millennials. They know what's at stake. It's their future. In fact, research shows that kids can be some of the most likely to convince skeptics. Daniel Lawson is a researcher at North Carolina State University. She recently tested this theory with a curriculum for middle school students. They were taught about the impact of climate change on animals. Lawson says these kids then inspired their parents to care more about the well-being of the planet. There's a level of trust. If their child is talking to them about climate change, they may be less likely to see their child as an ideological threat. She says concern about climate change jumped for conservative parents in particular, especially after their daughters talked to them about it. Stop denying the earth is dying. Stop you say you love your children above all else, and yet you're stealing their future in front of their very eyes. And Lawson says around the world, the young people leading climate strikes are keeping these conversations going. They're not going to let us forget about it. It's having an impact in the sense that they're talking to politicians and to adults, but it's also influencing what's happening in a home. So how do you convince a skeptic? Show them the facts. See if they're willing to talk to a reformed physicist or a converted evangelical, or see if a knowledgeable middle schooler is around to talk. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.